This is the Film Odyssey Podcast, where me and my brother trek through cinema on a quest to find the best film ever made. Yeah, yeah. basically. We're starting with the AFI Top 100, because... Where, where else to start? Well, we're American. It's we true. British, we would start with BFI Top 100. But yeah. Be it. <laughs> yeah, so we're counting down. Last week we did Ben-Hur. This week we're doing number 99 on the list, Toy Story. So yeah, uh, we just finished watching this one surprised it's held up since i was a kid really yeah i i was expecting to not like it to be kind of like eh, it's just a kid's movie like yeah it, it's on here but because of the technology kind of thing well, yeah because you know it's like the forerunner of cgi mm-hmm. and it was actually really good yeah this look this movie won a lot of awards for a reason so, how many awards did it win uh well it was nominated for three oscars and it didn't win any, but it won eight Annie Awards and two Golden Globes. One of them for the best motion picture, comedy or musical for the Golden Globes. Oh. Yeah. Do, do you want to take a shot at to what uh, the Oscars it was nominated for? Special effects? No. How? The, the entire movie is special effects. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> but, Randy, it was... Here, here's the thing. So, it was nominated for its music, obviously. Cause sure, makes best, sense. Best original song. Yeah. And the other one was Best Original Screenplay. And it's the first animated film ever nominated for Best Original Screenplay. Okay. Makes sense? Yeah. Now that you, now that you say it out loud? Sure. Now, granted, it didn't win any of those because Nick Cage showed up and won his Oscar for Leaving Las Vegas. Ah. It was, it was the year of the upset. Okay. But, you know. But, yeah, Toy Story. I mean, it is kind of fascinating because the production behind this movie is uh, an absolute production hellscape. Was it? Oh, yeah. So I get the big. Well, it it was a forerunner of CGI. Yeah, it's the first completely computer animated feature film. Yeah, uh, which is a big reason why it's probably on the AFI Top 100 because of its technological place in history. Yes. Um, but for the production, because this wallowed in production hell forever. Uh, it was greenlit in '91 and it came out four years later, and in the intervening time, the production shut down for three months. The animation staff went from 24 people to 110 people. Uh, the budget went from 17 million to over 30 million. And this is coming from an original idea John Laster had back in the 80s, okay. like 85. So this is it's a 10-year span from inception to being released. But then it gets released, now holds its place in film history, first computer-generated film I'm ever. I'm sure it made its money back. Oh, made a shit ton of money. <laughs> oh, made all the money. Are you kidding me? cost like 30 million dollars to make and it grossed 373 million dollars good graciousness yeah if you're if you're wondering at the time this was released the biggest films of that year were die hard with a vengeance <laughs> followed by toy story and apollo 13 yeah and this is also the year where we got braveheart pocahontas usual suspects golden eye usual suspects yeah dude in golden eye it also gave us a great video game this year 95 was a solid year the film and the game golden eye yes oh goodness it's good stuff it's good stuff but yeah where do you want to get started with this one well that it actually holds up it's like i chuckled at a good a good amount of the jokes in in the movie and uh i thought it'd be a little off put by the you know by our standards ancient cg animation yeah this came out in 95 so that's 26 years ago yeah but it looks fine because yeah. I, I think it's the consistency of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. 
And the whole setup for the movie of them being like toys and whatnot. Everything's supposed to look kind of plastic and yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. it works. Everything it it works. Like I thought I'd be really thrown off by it. Like at one point in the movie, I noticed that like Woody like turns away from Buzz and like you see his ear and it's like this really like low res polygon yeah thing that's his ear and then I was like, well he's a toy. It's it's it supposed those, to look kind of crummy. Yeah, it's supposed to look crummy. You know, he's he's a toy. <laughs> yeah, and also I will say that there was a genius move made in in the filming of this where they don't show people's faces as much as possible. They try and show as little human face as much as possible because I ain't gonna lie. At the beginning of the film, when I see Andy's like little sister, that is the uncanny valley I do not want to live in. That really, it's so creepy. I don't know why. Because I've talked about this movie. On the other podcasts I do, and that's the same thing that I come to every time, is the toys, the story, everything about this is great, except when I see the human people, and then they're just creepy. And then they look just weird. They look just weird. It's just weird. kind of weird, but I kind of see it as, like, the movie from the toys perspective, in which Mm -hmm. the people probably look pretty weird. Yeah. You know, because, you know, they're not toys. They're, yeah. They're, and so, like, they're these uh, autonomous god beings that control them. <laughs> and basically, I kind of give it a pass, you know, that the people don't look, like, all that great. Mm-hmm. Because they're not the focus of the story. Yeah. Well, although I guess you could argue that Andy is the focus of the story, because he's the focus of the toys' lives. It, which is kind of a cool, like, thing, right? This movie actually has, like, weird underpinnings of, like, jealousy, you know, desire, purpose in life, all that stuff going yeah. on. It's which, a full-fledged story. Yeah, which, I mean, is a kind of a high bar considering, like, the kids' films coming out in in the 90s or the kids' films that preceded this, especially out of Disney. Yeah. Which weren't a, exactly deep movies. They were more just fun. But they were safe True. movies. Yeah, yeah. The, they're, they're kids' movies, you know? Mm-hmm. Kids' movies in a very traditional sense. Yeah. Where, you know, no, nobody's going to get upset. It's just a nice little story to put on for the kids. You know, but Toy Story, it's got it's got a little something for everybody, you know? It has those weird adult jokes that go over everyone's head until they're in their oh, 20s. Oh, yeah, when uh, when Mr. Potato Head takes off his lips and starts kissing his own ass. Yes. When, when they're talking about Woody. Oh, uh, goodness. It's good. Okay, I got a question for you, Randy, about the, the story, as it were. You know, because this is a kid's film traditionally, right? But it does deal yeah. with more, like adultish themes you know purpose belonging existential dread of am i a toy for this giant unknowable child being well also it kind of um shows the kids like shows and movies of the time where they had more like underlying adult themes Mm -hmm. like this is where ideas for like south park and the simpsons all kind of sit in the same like area in which they seem like they're for kids, but they, they leave more. I mean, South Park is like, it's supposed to look like it's for kids and not be. Yeah. That's like the whole idea of it. That's the whole that's the whole point. It's supposed to be this very raunchy adult TV show that looks like it's made for children. Yeah. And, you know, like, The Simpsons is like something you can put on for your kids, but it has all these adult jokes in it. The first nine seasons of The Simpsons have some of the best, like, writing for television ever. Yeah. Because you can go back and watch a lot of early Simpsons and you get, like all the jokes that went over your head when you were little and they just Mm -hmm. play off so well like this is kind of in the same vein yeah but this is more kid focused than those are especially Mm -hmm. like south park but like even more so than like the simpsons Mm -hmm. which i would say is like a pretty like safe kids show yeah but it's like this is really a kids movie that somehow finds a way to make these more adult jokes like what he calls uh, Buzz, Buzz Lightbeer. 
Yeah. <laughs> and, like, I didn't even realize that before. It is like, what? He actually says that in the movie? That's pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> what is it? He, uh, I think there's another thing where it's like Bo Peep is obviously hitting on Woody, and she's like, hey, you can always, you know, come over and see me, Sheriff. And I'm yeah, like, of course. She, is, she is blatantly asking Woody to... To drop the wood here. Oh, okay. to, to lay pipe. <laughs> to lay some pipe here. <laughs> Goodness. I, I again. Also, when Buzz shows up and she's like instantly like, "Ooh, I know who's my who's my moving who, buddy. Who my, who's my moving buddy?" There's and like, I'm just like, "Oh, Bob, come on now." <laughs> right. It, it's kind of funny because they're okay. What was like a, a theme or like a messaging or something that was a little bit more interesting than you thought was going to be in this movie? Because the movie's objective is you know be for kids. You know all the fun trappings of a kid's movies like theme and messaging but there's other stuff here what did you did you see anything in particular well it's like the the purpose of the toys and like buzz kind of realizes what his like purpose is is Mm -hmm. his purpose is to be a toy for andy yeah you know like how like all the toys in the movie kind of like realize their purpose Mm -hmm. is to be there for andy yeah like there's it's such a like a selfless thing it's kind of strange you know when you think about it in the movie Mm mm-hmm how like it's almost kind of like uh like i don't know i don't want to get too like off the deep end here but it's like almost like religious you know like they're they're in like this whole thing together for andy i mean we we worship the claw he chooses us oh to that leave. was great too it's like, like that one was like a cult you know yeah <laughs> i that i that is kind of an interesting thing because i did notice that too because again i'm a huge fan of hp lovecraft and the existential uh-huh. dread of being is like blows my mind but Buzz is going through, like, an existential crisis of, of being, trying to find purpose, because he thinks he's one yeah, thing. he thinks he's a space ranger. He thinks he's the space ranger. Yeah. He is Buzz Lightyear. You know? Yeah. And then he gets in his entire, not only his purpose, but his entire sense of reality destroyed over the course of, like, a day. And then he's finding this new purpose. That's, like, a Lovecraft story where I find out that I'm not who I am. I'm a mechanical being. That's the plaything for the dark god Cthulhu. Except it's not a dark god, it's Andy. It's just some kid. It's just... That's the thing. You're not even good enough to be a plaything of Cthulhu. Oh, goodness. I'm memeing, I'm memeing. (laughs) But But um, it is a fascinating thought, right? Because this movie's dealing with a philosophical concept of finding your purpose in in the world. And it does it in only, like, 80 minutes. Yeah. And it's a great 80 minutes. It is. It was a fun 80 minutes. I know last episode we were... We were saying, it's like, man, Ben-Hur, three and a half hours? I could use an extra 20 on this. Oh, that was so good. This movie is nice, succinct, everything's great. You know, I wouldn't add anything, wouldn't take away anything. It's it's good as it is. And I like the fact that it's only 80 minutes. Yeah, I mean, we watched a featurette right after the movie, and one of the people on there said, from frame one to the end, everything works everything has a purpose you couldn't take a frame out and put a frame in that would tell this story any better and i kind this is of what we said about ben-hur yeah i and i kind of believe him too this is it's just a fascinating kind of movie it's and great it is great dude it's so good oh goodness we'll we'll, we'll save that one for when we get to the bible epics but <laughs> it's so good it's so good so I got a I got another question here because the movie isn't just about the story; it's about the performances. And we have Tom Hanks and Tim Allen who play you know Woody, Buzz, and it's kind of interesting because at the time Tim Allen was the bigger star than Tom really? Hanks. 
Well, he had the number one show on TV with Home Improvement. I think he had the number one book. Is that really the number one show at the time was Home Improvement? I believe so. One wow. of them. One number. It was like either the t- number one or the like top, t- five top five sitcom. Yeah. yeah, huge at the time. He had the number one memoir on the New York Times bestseller, and this I think made him a trifecta where he had the number one film in America. He was a huge star. And Tom Hanks, he hadn't done Saving Private Ryan yet. I don't think he had done Castaway yet. He was about to become this huge star. Mm-hmm. But this is right before right that. Right before he, that? Right before he starts like winning Oscars down like back to back here. And it's great. They because, actually give a great performance. Which is fascinating because they're just their voices. Yeah. And this is a but rare I, it's occasion. It's voices paired with the animation. Mm-hmm. And the animation really helps them play it up. Like, it really comes off well. Yeah. And I, I know people have said this about these characters and these performances before, where they are iconic. You couldn't you couldn't replace them with anyone. And I've always wondered why is that? Because there's great voice actors in this film alone, and there's great voice actors at the time that could step in and do things. But I wonder, is there something unique about these guys that no other actor could have done with this performance? Well, Tom Hanks has kind of like a nice earnest voice. Mm-hmm. Where he comes off pretty genuine a lot of the time. He's the modern day Jimmy Stewart. Sure. <laughs> He's just the modern day nice guy. And yeah. And that voice also has that I don't I don't really know. It's just a very comforting quality to it. He sounds like a nice guy. Like he's got a, like a nice voice and somehow fits a, that like cowboy aesthetic mm. too of Woody yeah. without going like too far into like, you know, old John Wayne. <laughs> oh, could you imagine could you imagine Tom Hanks putting on a John Wayne voice oh, in this goodness. movie? But it sounds like a, it sounds like the the toy voice, you know, mm-hmm. when when they like pull the string and it kind of like plays up the more like toy-y sound, you know, mm-hmm. where they probably like run it through a couple filters or whatever. Yeah. But like it sounds believable. It sounds really real, you know? Mm-hmm. Like it, that could be the voice they use on these toys. And, like, the same thing with Buzz Lightyear when they have, like, the commercial, mm-hmm. which is, like, such so a nice 90s. dated commercial. Oh, that commercial. It was so good. Like, it played up the datedness of that commercial so much that it went from being, like, oh, like, gosh, it's, like, another 90s commercial to being, like, yeah, that's a 90s that's commercial. That's a real 90s commercial. That's a real 90s. I was surprised there wasn't no, any extreme with just the X, you know. Dude, I, I <laughs> thought, okay, my mental canon is that Tony Hawk comes in at the yeah, end and grabs no. Buzz Lightyear, all right? That's oh, that's good. the head canon now. But, like, when they do that commercial, it's it becomes totally believable that that's, this is the voice of, like, a toy, of, like, somebody yeah. who voice acts the toy on a TV show, you know, like, mm-hmm. to sell toys. Yeah, and it, it's also a thing where it's like, okay, I this is another weird thing because you notice how they're, you know, cowboy and a spaceman? Yeah. And this is a really weird, I'm going to read way too much into this real quick, hold Go my beer. It. So, you know how in the film we never see Andy's dad? Yeah. And I'm assuming he's just not there. Yeah, it's the same thing. But he, Andy is finding this strong emotional attachment to these very uh, traditional father figures yeah the cowboy and the astronauts and the astronauts i mean think about it from the 1930s up until the 50s was like the prototypical male father figure in media was the cowboy the western yeah. and then once you hit the 60s 70s 80s when we became space obsessed it became yeah. the, the astronaut the spaceman mm-hmm. and I wonder if that informed Tom Hanks, Tim Allen's performance, where it's like, yo, Tom, you're not just playing a cowboy doll. You're playing the archetypical cowboy. I mean, Tom Hanks does have, like, a fatherly voice. He does. But 
I'm, I can really see that, though, or, or see that as well, because they do mention how Woody has been uh, his favorite toy since around, like, kindergarten, mm-hmm. is what they say in the movie, and, like, you know, maybe his dad left around kindergarten, you know? I mean, picked I, up Woody as, like, this father figure? I think in the movie, I think in the movie, it's even implied that because we're at Andy's sixth birthday party, and his sister's, like, one. So one year before that would have been the last logical time the dad would have been in the picture to yes. have the kid. So that actually kind of lines up. You know what's kind of funny, though, is that Andy seems like this nice, well-adjusted kid. Mm-hmm. without, And he doesn't have a father figure around. But Sid does, and he's not a well-adjusted kid. Yeah, and it, it guess it's also the thing where we see mm-hmm. Sid's father or father figure is kind of like asleep, you know, in front of the TV. Yeah. But the father figures that we see in this movie, the of Buzz and Woody, their whole purpose is to be there for Andy, like provide for him. I wonder if this movie is taking place in Andy's imagination, where he's imagining the the father figure who left him, and these father figures, their whole purpose is to be there for him. Mm. Which makes this movie go from like, oh, that's a really nice kids film, to like, oh my god, this this movie is way deeper than it than it has any credit to be (laughs) well i think like because they don't really address a lot of these things in the movie's real like you know real light it well yeah the movie's real light it's about like the toys and their adventure and the wacky antics they get into and all that stuff at like baseline you know yeah but then there's all this other stuff you can think about all the subtext all the subtext you can think about the movie is really fully fleshed out Mm -hmm. you know it gives a great experience during the movie and after. You can think about all these different things. You know, you can think about, like, what, you know, religious context it might have. The whole, like, their whole purpose is for Andy. Or, you know, their whole purpose is for Andy in, like, a fatherly way. Mm-hmm. You know, because he doesn't have one himself. And um, what you can, like, glean from, like, Sid's room and Sid's, like, house. Mm. You know, and, like, the differences between, like, Sid and Andy... And the differences between, like, the toys and how they interact with each other. Yeah, and it... Sid is also, like, just... I feel kind of bad for Sid at the end. I know he's, like, the villain of yeah. the piece. But at the end where Woody talks to him and they have the whole, like, toys coming to life thing... Sid's scarred forever, right? Oh, yeah, he's done. He's so done? He's he's goner. He's absolutely gone. <laughs> Woody, Woody has, like, annihilated Sid's entire ability to, like, adjust yeah, his, normally. His psyche, yeah. Well, I don't know. It might, it might snap him out of his whole, you know, I'm going to burn things. Yeah, toys and whatnot. But he's definitely, um, he's definitely going to have some problems later in life with, like, the whole adjusting to, like, you know, what did... He's going to have to go through that whole existential crisis of what I saw. Was it real? Or was it just, like, you know, my way of, like, um, coming to terms with, like, not doing this anymore? You know, what... Like, he's going to have this whole thing. Or, or maybe he'll, he'll repress it. I'm really mad that in Toy Story 3, when we see Sid again, he's oh. just the pizza boy. And it's not like he's in therapy. He's, like, all whacked out now. I No, no. I Toy Story. I've never seen Toy Story 3. I mean, I saw it once, and it was many years ago. I think when it came out. Mm-hmm. But, um... And it's just like a flashing thing where it's like, oh, Sid's now the pizza port delivery boy. Okay. I wanted a version where Sid goes to, you know, the asylum for one clue over the cuckoo's nest. Oh, goodness. But that would be too 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 far. Oh, it'd be way too far. Again, my headcanon is is twisted. But I don't know. It it is an interesting thought, though, and an implication of the story that's just kind of funny. Yeah, but 
you know the how the story plays it out though is it's just like sid's the villain you know mm-hmm. and it's like you're not really supposed to think far that much farther into it mm-hmm. but it's there for the more adult audience yeah you know as a kid sid's just kind of like this evil kid he's the villain he's the bully mm-hmm. you know and then the toys get their revenge on him and that's kind of it yeah and yeah, it, it, it is one of those things where it's probably that isn't supposed to be thought of that deeply. It's just supposed to be a well, thing. I'm sure it's there for you to, like, digest, mm-hmm. but it's not really the main purpose, you know? The main yeah. purpose of the movie is that it's a nice kids movie with some... Very some, deeper theme. Some deeper themes that are, like, more uh, obvious and more um, fleshed out than others. Mm. You know, like, the whole... The, the purpose of, of the dolls... Or the action figures. Yeah. Sorry. Action figures. Action figures. All right. <laughs> All right. It's fine. Uh, but it's speaking of purpose because this film had another another purpose outside of the, the film itself. Uh-huh. And that's the fact that it's the first completely computer animated film. It was meant, its purpose was meant to show that you could do something cinematic with this technology. Pixar yes. more or less was, existed for like 10 years being a tech company trying to make computer animation work and the only way they thought they could do that was telling a story with it like making a movie and showing hey this is what computers can do in the realm of like like art and there is a core element here that makes the film feel kind of timeless like we said before how once we were watching it once we were looking at the toys buzz woody we didn't really notice that it was really computer animated we just kind of got into the into the story and the characters but do you think the technology makes the film show its age a little too much or do you believe the rest of the film makes up for whatever technical shortcomings it may have 25 years later i i think they made a really good um move when they made this movie to make it so timeless is that they kept everything consistent mm-hmm. i'm sure that like when they started like getting into the nitty-gritty and, like, actually animating the movie and actually putting it into, into production, you know, past the point of just, like, you know, spitballing ideas. Yeah. When it was actually being made, that when new technologies came out, they didn't instantly move on to that. They were like, no, we've no. got to keep everything consistent. It's like... They didn't do the Duke Nukem Forever strategy yes, of development. Yes, they didn't do the Duke Nukem Forever strategy of development, where whatever the new thing came out, they were like, no, we've got to move on to that. And then the whole thing looks so inconsistent and, like, from different eras. But it made probably the, like, uh, very important decision to have everything look the same. Have everything be very smooth Mm -hmm. and very put together and of the same era. And so, since the consistency of the movie is very high, Mm -hmm. I think it's timeless. because It's so much easier to just invest in what you're watching when everything is so smooth. Yes. It's, I'm trying to think of any computer animated films, maybe not of this company, but like a little bit later, that are incredibly dated, just based purely on how they look, like the technology. Like that Green Lantern movie. Oh! That's a perfect example. Oh, you're right. The the Ryan Reynolds Green Lantern film? Yes. Yeah, that, that CGI technology is varying uh, throughout the film. Some's really yes. good, some's really bad. Yeah. Also, <sighs> some stuff like uh, in... Was it Man of Steel where they had the CGI office mustache? Oh, that was in the Justice League. In Justice no. League? Yeah. That is yeah. one of those things where... Kind of a rush job. A little bit. I mean, that's another thing. Those are just little moments in movies. 
This is a whole movie like that. True, but usually when you do something where it's the entire movie is computer animated, you, you try know and make when you it mess. Consistent. You also know when you mess up, right? Yeah. Well, I'm not sure about that, but you at least at the forefront, you're like, you know, we're gotta make it look consistent. You know, we can't change our animating style halfway through the movie. It's just not happening. Oh yeah. And I, I, I mean, it's a thing. I feel like you're coming at it from the viewpoint of somebody who's looking at this kind of development through like a video game kind of perspective because i can't imagine i don't think there's many films that halfway through production they change whole things but in video games there's that happens a lot a lot of times you're halfway through making the game and they're like yo new engine came out and we gotta we gotta redo the whole thing also like at an animation studio i'm i'm sure like when a new technique or new uh technology technology comes out that they want to try it you know Mm -hmm. and you know, maybe somebody gets a little ahead of themselves and is like, let's try it on this production. Yeah. That that was a thing that did happen. That happened post-Toy Story. There were a few films in development at, I believe, DreamWorks when it was starting to become a thing. or But that was after, I guess, Pixar was bought by Disney in like the 2000s. But there were a few films that were originally going to be 2D animated. And then new technology came out, and they're like, well, they let's... see the success of Sto- Toy Story. And they switch over, and they're like, all right, we'll make it a 3D animated, because that's big business. And when we... I mean, when we watched the um, featurette, when there was all the interviews from Brad Bird, Miyazaki, uh, Lasseter, um, Peter Jackson, of all people, which was weird, they were like, yeah, a lot of films thought people were going to the theater to see the technology, but they didn't make a good movie around it. Yeah. This movie, Toy Story was such a success because of the story because of the the film itself not so much the animation mm-hmm. the animation is is just part of the movie but the movie itself as a whole the animation included but mostly the story the way it's told the voice the acting mm-hmm. is what made the movie so good i feel this is a thing where it i just I don't... happened to be 3d animated yeah i feel that's a thing because i i don't know if i said this on other podcasts or anywhere else but at the end of the day the only thing you need to make a good movie is good story and good performances everything else is filler yeah which in this that's really what they had a good story good performances everything else was filler but that does lead me to another question about its reception well actually one more thing is Mm -hmm. Uh, I just had this idea because, I mean, like, the title, like, uh, Toy Story. screen. No, the title screen is, like, running in the background. Oh, yeah, sorry. Um, the So this whole movie was, like, CG animated, right? Mm-hmm. But they didn't really give much or any thought to the lighting in this movie. I did notice that everything... There's one scene where the lighting is actually, like, really dynamic. And it's the scene where Buzz and Woody... Is, like, depressed, right? Well, not even that. I was thinking when it's, like, that golden hour effect when Woody's about to push Buzz out the window. Ah. And you're seeing when they're giving um, Woody the fifth degree, it has that harsh, like, blinds lighting in the back. It starts to look kind of like a noir. Uh And, you know, Woody's all, like, scared and everything like that. And it's it's a very intense moment, and the lighting complements that. But I do know what you mean. Because a lot of it's very just bright, bright, open lighting. It's that I feel is a limitation of the technology. Because as we know, so we, we found we've found something. Yeah, because as we know, not until two thousand four, when the holy entity that inhabits John Carmack discovered shading in Doom Three. Oh goodness! There wasn't shadows in like computer game or in computers well, there, that were. There's shadows, quality. just 
you know, you couldn't have, like, really dark scenes and have them come off very good. Yeah. And, um, I, I do know that the lighting that is prevalent is moody. It does do a tone for the scenes, but I do notice there's not a lot of dynamic shadows going on or a lot of dynamic lighting going yes. on. Yes. Which... If that's is that the only flaw with the tech here? I think so. I think that's just about it. Is that the lighting itself isn't very realistic? Yeah, I mean, but I mean, it is a movie about living toys, which realism. and it's completely computer animated. You know, it it is kind of a fascinating fascinating thing when we're sitting here and we're just finished watching the movie, want to critique it a little bit, find a little we'll find something I don't like about it. Yeah, I mean, even in Ben Hur, which you you loved, we love we it. found some things we didn't eh, didn't really like that, didn't play too well, and eh, it's fine. Yeah. In this, it's like the lighting that mm, was mean, that's a, really the only thing i can think of you know everything else is actually really good mm-hmm. and that the reception of this film there's the there's the next question i want to sure. like, pose at you because the film has a hundred percent score on rotten tomatoes and 95 on metacritic robert roger ebert praised this film gave it two thumbs up whatever that's worth and this film also holds a special place in the hearts of you know children around the world but do you think it holds up and the praise would be the same if it was released today instead of 95 or do you think it's place in history kind of colored it reception and its criticism of it it being the first computer animated film it being released at a time where it was before a lot of technology kind of caught up and people were starting to tell more adults ish stories with more you know deeper themes in animated films or do you think that this film being the first makes it great? I think that if this movie was released today, it would not get the same reception because it well, frankly it would look like shit if it was released <laughs> be, today. Being it, frank. It, 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 I mean, that whole thing where they went from 24 animators to 110, this would look like they had like tw- 10 animators. Yeah, this looks <laughs> like some guy did it with his buddies in a garage. Yes, like this looks like people just like spitballed some ideas online and you know people that like never met face to face made this movie i mean granted when we're at getting to the point where we can cgi in peter cushing into star wars and it almost be believable almost big asterisk it's still way better than what toy story looks like now the thing is that that's all hypothetical like Mm -hmm. if it was released today but the, the fact is that it wasn't released today it was released in 1995 and does that color people's opinions on it of course but the thing is that it was an amazing for the time it's still it's still an amazing movie today Mm -hmm. but we don't have that same kind of like knee-jerk reaction as if it was released today it's yeah it's true but in and the thing is if it was released today it wouldn't hold up even even like you know 20 seconds after it came out it would already not be holding up because it's not of the quality that you expect of a movie of today to come out that has this like computer generation computer generated animation Mm mm-hmm but since it came out in 95 when this was cutting edge and it looks good for for its time it's mm-hmm. going to last forever yeah and it's also kind of this thing where it also the thing where the story and the performances again going back to it almost holds up anything that's wrong with it in terms of like it's aging poorly kind of thing right well i think be, because it came out in 95 it's not going to age poorly mm. be like it's kind of a weird thing to think about that if it came out today it would age very poorly because it already looks aged 
mm-hmm. but because it came out in 95, I think it's going to age fantastically because people know what they're, what they're like going to expect. They're like, oh, this is the first big computer generated animation movie. Mm-hmm. They're like, they know what to expect with that. I mean, it's also a thing where I feel like as things go on, we're getting another generation of kids who've gone to see Toy Story for the first time. And I feel like even with the saturation of like, you know, Marvel movies, newer, cleaner, fancier kids movies, Pixar movies, things like that. Yeah, Incredibles cars. Incredibles cars, so on and so forth. I still think Toy Story stands kind of head and shoulders above them in terms of what it's doing. I think the iconography of Toy Story at this point in the game is insane. I mean, I think also the the story of Toy Story, which kind of sounds awful to say, but I don't know how else to say it. Mm-hmm. The story of Toy Story also holds up much better than the story of Cars or The Incredibles and, or all mm-hmm. th- those other like the other Pixar movies, animated movies. Yeah, it holds up a lot better than they do, mm-hmm. and the like that timeless story and the the iconography like you said of this being such a huge cornerstone will may, uh, help it hold up a lot better than these other movies and i i would have to agree with you i it's also a thing where the story is so simple toys are alive they get lost they try and find their human again yes and that's like just a really simple easy to follow story an easy story to grasp for like a young kid trying to like when you're showing this to somebody and also it's, it's 80 minutes <laughs> it's also 80 minutes it being 80 minutes really bumps this movie up in terms of like easy to watch fun bite-sized film i mean at, by the time we finish this podcast we're gonna be of recording for like half the length of this of this movie <laughs> i mean at least but i mean to let's let's try and beat the beat the timer as we oh goodness as we get into the afi comparisons here oh Right. Well, because this is on the AFI Top 100. It yes. wasn't on the 98 list. It was on the 2007 list. So it was a brand new... Yeah, it was, it was too, probably too soon for the 98 list. Way too soon. Because I think to qualify, you had have been out for a certain number of time and... A certain in, number of years. A certain number of years. In 2007, they said anything released before 2000 and... Or after 2001 didn't qualify. So sure. you had to be around for about five years. So it comes out in 99. Or it comes out at number 99... And it's just over Ben-Hur, which we talked about last week. Really enjoyed it. One of your favorite movies of all time now. Yes. Um, and I'm wondering, do you think Toy Story deserves its spot over Ben-Hur? Do you think Toy Story will go oh, gosh, up, no. down, be pulled off the list completely? No, definitely updated? not that one. Never never pulled off? Don't don't think it should be pulled off. It is... It, if you have any movie that's going to like represent like kids' movies on the AFI Top 100... I mean, Toy Story has got to be in contention there. Like, I don't know what else is going to be dethroning Toy Story for its spot for the quintessential American kids movie. Oh, the I mean, it's got cowboys and astronauts. Oh, yeah. Also, it's not <laughs> even like the quintessential American children's film. It's also the first of the modern era of, 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 children's, of film. children's film. And also, the, it's the first computer-generated feature, which is another huge place in history. It hits a lot of milestones. It hits yeah. a lot of things that makes it culturally culturally important which is kind of the thing where the afi is looking for they want films that are considerably culturally significant they want films that have accolades in competitive categories this that was nominated for three oscars won a shit ton of annies golden globes it was a heavily praised film and it holds up this film holds up 
And it's also... Well, they want all of those things and a good film to go with and a, them. Yeah, and a good film. And this is a great and film. This hits it, yeah. So, and you you said that Ben-Hur should go way up the list. If I'm personally thinking Ben-Hur should probably go way up the list. But Toy Story definitely shouldn't... Like, it, you know, if we're only talking about the two movies, I think they should swap positions. Really? <laughs> but, you know, in the grander scheme of things, you know... I'm going to have to see these other movies. Be like, <laughs> are they really head and shoulders above Toy Story and uh, Ben-Hur here? And which is going to be interesting to, to look at because we're going to watch a lot more films coming up. Next uh, one being? Next one being Yankee Doodle Dandy. Oh, at, well, well, Yankee Doodle Dandy, you better impress. <laughs> James Cagney does nothing less than impress, all right? But, oh, goodness. I know, I know. But it's going gonna, it's gonna to be an interesting one because that's going to be our first musical on here, which is another thing Toy Story... Being a children's animated film well, we doesn't talk about have... the music. You know what? We're not even done yet. Let's talk about Mr. Randy Newman, the I greatest thought, showman. I thought it was really nice. Like, at, honestly, I thought going into it, I was gonna hate the music because I really dislike Randy Newman's voice. Oh, you got a friend in me. But he the... sounds he sounds like Matt the Matt Damon me. <laughs> Matt Damon, he does. Yeah. But like how like earnestly his voice comes off like. <laughs> It was really nice in this kid's movie. And the song, You Got a Friend in Me, granted, has a very strong emotional connection in the family. Yes. But it's also just a really just well-performed song. It's a really sweet song. It, yeah. there's The subtext to it is just so, like, nice. It's it's a reason that's a really great song to, like, hum along in the car when you have, like, kids. Yeah. And also, what... What really impressed me was, you know, because I knew I liked oh, You Have a Friend in Me, you know. but You you have a soul, we know. But when um, Buzz, like, goes to, like, fly out the window and he can't, and is playing that song, uh, it's like something sailing. Oh, yeah, no, can't go sailing. Yeah, moment. and I was like, well, this is, this is really a poignant part in the movie where Buzz kind of realizes, like, everything, like, his life's a sham. But mm-hmm. with, like, this Randy Newman song over the top of it, and it, like, actually fits... Yeah. This really emotional scene, and it, like the the music actually fits with it, like the 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 lyrics of, uh, of the well, the, of song. the song, and everything. It kind of all ties together, and Randy Newman's kind of like weird voice is like weirdly really good for the songs in this movie. It just everything fits just right, even though it seems all like it should fall apart. I mean, music. I mean, thinking about it, kind of. I, I again I'll, this is one of those rare cases where a film if it does one thing 10 degrees one way or 10 degrees the other it'll fall apart completely but this film just walks that line perfectly it does Randy Newman that music I think you could not make this music or you could not make this film without this music no. that music is just too perfectly molded and formed to the film and that that moment specifically where Buzz is going to fly out and it plays the song Buzz doesn't say anything. It's a, it's basically a silent scene. Without, If it was without the music, yeah. Yeah, without the music. And the music adds to the visuals we're seeing and enhances it. And that's the best part about I mean, music. It kind of just, like, the song just kind of describes what Buzz is feeling. Mm-hmm. You know, where he's feeling like, oh, no, like, everything's, like... When, when he's initially feeling like, oh, God, I'm a toy. And then he's like, no, I'm not a toy. I'm a space ranger. And he climbs up and the, mu- the music climbs up with him. And it kind of reassures himself, and then he has that final fall, mm. and then the music kind of comes back down with him. It, like, perfectly emulates what's happening in the scene. 
And I think that's the thing. Um, Andrei Tarkovsky, very famous and very good Russian filmmaker. He made Stalker. Yes. He said the only time you should put music into a scene is when the visuals can't tell the story on their own. And the music here complements that perfectly. All yeah, the music actually. in here, it's like, okay, this is for you know a younger audience, whatever. But the music is just going to enhance that moment and help deliver the message, the meaning of this scene, the meaning of this film. And it's perfect. Even the song "You Got a Friend in Me," that's obvious. That's about the toys and the people they and people who attach themselves to the toy. You know, you got a friend in me, rough, yes. hard, whatever. You always got a friend in me, which I always got a friend in the toys. And then you know it blossoms from that. It's a very just. It's a beautiful score. Actually, yeah. It's the it's a reason it got nominated for an Oscar. And I'm so mad. Pocahontas beat it out. Pocahontas. Really? Pocahontas. That song. Get, that movie gets canceled in like 20 years after oh, release. Oh goodness. I know. I know. But yeah, it. The music in this holds up phenomenally. <sighs> but yeah. So. Randy. Next week, Yankee Doodle Dandy, the first musical we're gonna be watching on the podcast. Any thoughts, expectations, hopes, dreams about the film? I'm not going to lie, I have very low expectations and or hopes for Yankee Doodle Dandy. For a 1942 uh, musical? Hopefully my socks are blown off by it. <laughs> Yankee Doodle Dandy, you got you got some big footsteps to follow behind I mean, Ben-Hur in Toy Story. For, like, for Ben-Hur, I was already going into it thinking, like, I'm going to love this movie. Toy Story, I've already seen it. You know, I was thinking, like, oh, you know, even if I, I don't think it holds up, like, it still has a place for me. This is a movie that I have no idea what to expect coming into it. Ben-Hur, I was like, this is like an old Bible epic. I've already seen one of those. You know, Toy Story, I'd already seen it before when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. Yankee Doodle Dandy, no idea. Completely blind. This is going to be the first uh, Randy's blind picks mm -hmm. coming in. But yeah, um, I'm excited. Let's hope it pays off. And if you want to find out about that next week, you can follow us on the YouTube channel in the frame and you can also find this podcast the film odyssey anywhere where podcasts can be found apple podcast anchor fm spotify you name it we play on it but yeah randy any anything you want to sign off with you got a friend in me got a friend in me <laughs> <laughs> all right see y'all next week yeah.